Jean-Michel Aulas is gone, and it's the end of an era at Lyon. This is Le Classique, and we're reflecting on, arguably, the greatest club president in French football history. So hi everyone, this is your host of Le Classique, Tom, and I'm joined as always with uh, our French football expert, Baptiste Renaud. <laughs> Baptiste, how are you doing? All good, all good. Thanks, Tom. I'm really excited about this this episode, as as for every episode, but I think this is one. It's great to look back and we saw some good names when we did our research, so that was fun. Yeah, so this is, I think, um, very much in, the, in classic territory, right? So reflecting on some of the legends of, of French football and uh, Jean-Michel Hollas, the president of the Lyon for, for over 30 years, is certainly uh, one of them. And uh, of course, you know, we're doing this, this episode because of the, I don't know if you want to call it sad news necessarily. I think lots of Lyon fans maybe wouldn't necessarily see it in that way now. Mm. But at the start of this month, so I think on the 9th of May or the 8th of May, uh, John Texter, who is the the new president of, or the majority owner of Lyon since 2002. Um, 22, 22. Uh, so yeah, yeah, 22, uh, decided to, to sort of get rid of their legendary president, uh, uh, Jean-Michel Olas, which I think, although the idea was that Olas would eventually leave, this is sort of sooner than, than expected. And I think was quite uh, a shock in the, in the French media landscape, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. There was obviously some noise emanating from the textile camp and it was clear, it had been clear since the acquisition by the Eagle Group, which is led, you know, in this case by John Textile, that relations weren't at their most positive between Olas, who was seen by Textor as, um, you know, overextending his stay. He had, <laughs> you know, he had agreed as part of the acquisition to stay for a total of four years as president and to keep mm -hmm. power. And, and that considering the performances on the pitch that clearly didn't sit well with Textor. So for 10 million euros and he got, he got Olas out of there three years earlier than planned. And he's now made him an honorary president, but it's obviously, you know, it's obviously the demise in a way of, of, of a historic president who was there for 36 years. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite something. And I think what, you know, uh, we'll reflect a little bit on, 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 the decline, but I think what we really want to go through here is some of mm. the kind of glory days that uh, Olas enjoyed as a kind of very hands-on, uh, incredibly visible uh, president of the, certainly the most successful French team when 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 he was around, mm. basically. But, but so so uh, let's I guess let's dive straight in. Now let's let's start at the beginning. So, so Olas takes over Lyon in 1987 but maybe before we dive into that can you tell us a little bit about I guess what l'Olympique de Lyonnais as a football team was before he arrived but no, and also what Lyon is as a kind of city in France because it certainly is a major city of the country even though l'Olympique de Lyon actually was probably a club punching under its weight mm. before Jean-Michel Aulas arrives. Absolutely I mean you know Lyon is and has always been, depending on how you measure these things, but the sort of second, third biggest city in France, it has always had strong financial power. You know, its location has made it uh, a good ground for, for investment and industry. And, you know, they're two hours by, tra by train from, from Paris, a uh, couple of hours by train from, um, from Marseille as well, close to the Alps. You know, it's a, it's a good crossroads for... For investment and so it's 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 a city that's always had a lot of importance historically as well and um but its club was as you said clearly punching below its weight um and and for a long time certainly before last came this was uh I, in a way it's i would say maybe it's and i know there are two clubs in that city but it, it was maybe the equivalent of what birmingham city football club is mm -hmm. you know big mm -hmm. city big important cultural city 
and, and yet you know much of nothing in terms in football terms in in term in terms of trophies and 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 influence and and before Olas arrived you know you could name a few players Floridinalo uh, Bernard Lacombe was a famous prolific striker for them but their cultural impact on the footballing landscape in France was very very minimal and actually they were suffering a lot from their noisy neighbors Saint-Étienne who the iconic Saint-Étienne with the green the green, the green kit you know Dominique, Dominique Rocheteau you know um, finalist of the European Cup and denied by the post twice against Bayern Munich a, a, a lot of iconic players to the to the point that when OL actually dropped down a tier in the early 80s you know I think the Saint-Étienne president or or somebody affiliated with Saint-Étienne said Lyon is uh, c'est le club de la banlieue de Saint-Étienne it's the you know it's the club of Saint-Étienne suburbs when they're very two very distinct cities with very distinct identities so yeah, when, yeah. When, and particularly when Saint-Étienne is actually smaller than Lyon in yeah in terms of you know the size of population right so it's a, a definitely a sly dig and 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 as and it was clearly as well a sort of working class element to Saint-Étienne that wasn't wasn't there in Lyon. Lyon was more seen as the bourgeois capital of the area, while Saint-Étienne was really the, the working man's capital and it was communist for a long time, you know, unlike Lyon, etc. So, you know, when, when Olas arrives, they're, they're in the second tier when he takes over. And they're, like I said, they're not really a recognizable enthusiastic club they're they're just one that should be doing a lot lot better than when they are in 87 yeah so when i guess a couple of things worth noting when he takes over right the the, the first is that he's a he's a boy from the region right so he's yeah. a really local owner he's from la région lyonnaise he's incredibly young right he's sort mm. of I think 38 when he becomes president and he sort of made his money at this incredibly boring sounding company called Seguid, Compagnie Européenne de Gestion par l'Informatique Décentralisée. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make, uh, make you dream. I imagine it. So he's made his, his money sort of in, in, in kind of IT. Yeah, but right? IT in the 80s. Yeah. You know, lo local IT company in the Like 80s. Uh, Alan Sugar or someone like this. <laughs> no comment to that. <laughs> But yes, he's 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 a local boy done good, and who clearly has ambition, and who's who was touted at the time, I think, by the by the president uh, of Lyon as you know the next big figurehead, because he is he's already on the uh, board, I think, before he becomes president. Obviously, he doesn't just come out of nowhere. He's had an association for a couple of years already, and that's that's even though uh, the aforementioned Seguid has only been you know, founded four years before he takes over um, Luel. So it's a really rapid rise, but a rapid yeah. rise for someone who's from the area for whom being a Lyonnais and being in Lyon and getting in this industry to be successful in the region is important. And, you know, we talk a lot about what modern clubs want and Todd Bailey before him, Roman Abramovich, the Glazers, the Kronkers, you know, QSI at Paris, you know, uh, all, all those guys, people naturally feel that those people don't have an affiliation for the club and what it means to the mm -hmm. community. Olas is the complete opposite of that. He's a young, modern, entrepreneurial own, uh, you know, president who is is from the area and really understands that the fact that his city, and he wasn't born in Lyon, but close to it, the fact that this big, successful, important city doesn't have a big club is something that probably grated him at the time. Yeah. I think it's also worth noting that whilst, the, you know, the name of his company is boring and, 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 and you know, arguably the industry itself, he, he is, he's quite a kind of outspoken, charismatic guy, you know, an entrepreneur and really the pure purest mm. sense of the term and even when he takes over no he he, he already showcases some of his uh, uh, abilities to resonate in the public sphere and to say things that are going to be picked up i think what does it what does he claim when he 
so you it, take, they'll be in Europe within three years, which seems yes. fairly ridiculous, given that he's taking over kind of mid-table Ligue 2 second division side. Which, which he admitted later, he said this was a marketing piece rather than a real strategic demand. Uh, but this was, you, you can tell obviously with hindsight, but I think even at the time, he wanted to put Lyon back on the map, certainly in terms of football. And, and he came in with a lot of powers given to him and a real, real ambition to modernize a club that just had been going nowhere, had had financial troubles, um, was, was lacking, frankly, was lacking fans, was, you know, in a sorry state. And he came in and his brief was, let's re-energize this club. And, and with it, you know, who knows, re you know, help to energize the city even more than, than what this ambitious, mm -hmm. successful city is. And they get, I mean, they get promoted pretty quickly, and so what, how would you symbolize the kind of, because we'll get to the golden era, really, of the Olesque mm. which is sort of the, the, the early noughties, I suppose. But how would you characterize the kind of 90s of, of l'Olympique de Lyon? So they, they get promoted. They actually end up in Europe, I, I think, within his promised time, no? Amazingly. No, just just it, in his fifth just year, afterwards. I think. Yeah, in, in his fifth year. But within the first three seasons of being in Ligue 1. Yeah. So is the 90s a kind of period of consolidation for Lyon in, in the league? And and what do we get a sense of what the Olas kind of method is already at, at that time? Or or does that come later, the the, the kind of the, the 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 smart decisions that would sort of characterize his his, his early time at the at the club? You, you you at the very start you get a real distinct Lyonnais feel to it. He hires mm -hmm a man who later becomes famous for all the wrong reasons, but he hires Raymond Domenech as one of his first managers. <laughs> and, and, and Raymond Domenech was a Lyon player, was, was in a way an iconic Lyon player because of his brutality on the pitch, but also his never say die attitude. <laughs> and, and he, you know, and he gives him time to stabilize the club. And, and it's, and, and Domenech at the time is, is a young manager. Um, so again, kind of very forward, forward thinking. He then, you can tell as they consolidate in Division 1, you can tell Ola starts having a look at how can I be more ambitious? And 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 again after after the Dominic years, which you know, which end because his last two seasons he finished they finished sixteenth and fourteenth. In in ninety-three, Olas hires Jean Tigana, and Jean Tigana is a big name in French football. Mm -hmm. He was a man who had clear ambitions in terms of um, of managing, and he was given his first chance. His first managerial job was was at Lyon. So, you know, again, kind of a, a young president, a young manager. Something in common is their ambition, and there's there's a there's a clear upwards trajectory um, on on the Tigana, who then leaves of course, to go to Monaco where he will win a title later on. So yeah. that's, may, that's maybe the Olas touch at the start is first and foremost trying to keep a Lyon identity and then push on to where can I look outside but still in France, obviously at the time mm. no one was hiring foreign managers, but still in France to show to show that ambition. You know, Jean Tigana is really a name that, you know, less than 10 years before he was in in World Cup semi-finals as part of the Le Carré Magique, and and um, yeah. and and that's that's his touch. That's his touch early on. Yeah, because so, I think one of the one of the the themes I think we're going to see with the Olas presidency, or at least I don't know if you agree, but one of my impressions is I never really associate him with you know one manager over the long term, right? Mm. So the, the you know even though during the successful period. Even then, the churn of managers is is relatively high, right? It's managers staying for a couple of seasons. Yeah. Sometimes when you think of eras, you know, you often, particularly in English football, we tend to think of one manager staying at a place for five, six years, a decade, you know, Ferguson, Guardiola, now that's happening. Now. Whereas yeah. what's interesting, I think, with this Lyon era is that it's very much, he's he's the the, the, the permanent figure, right? And he is, in a certain way, 
the figurehead. I don't really think of really sort of charismatic Lyon managers at that time. I feel like it's almost like he plays the public role. Yes. And then and then the manager's a little bit of kind of cog in the uh, kind of cog in the machine. Yeah, very much so. Although we, we have to say there is one man <clears throat> who's who stands by him and who has a very important influence behind the scenes is Bernard Lacombe. Mm-hmm. So Bernard Lacombe becomes his sporting director. So first of all, who's Bernard Lacombe? Bernard Lacombe is the next striker, uh, super prolific for Lyon, stayed at Lyon for nearly 10 years before moving to the enemy Saint-Étienne and then Bordeaux. But this is a man who played about 600 top flight games, scored about 300 goals in the 70s and 80s, You know, played for France, uh, was really a fierce striker, but really associated with Lyon. And he, and and Olas once, um, once Tigana leaves, and after a difficult time under uh, Guy Stéphane, so Julien, Julien Stéphane's dad, who's, who was also wow. an assistant for Didier Deschamps for, for France, um, he moves he moves to Lacombe, and Lacombe was his sporting director and becomes a sort of co-manager with the assistant. Mm-hmm. And once once his era as manager ends, which is just before the Jacques Santini years, um, which prelude the domination that we're going to talk about, he becomes a conseiller sportif for for um, for Olas, kind of like Luis Campos, maybe now at mm-hmm. at, um, mm-hmm. at PSG. You know, somebody who has the ear of the president, acts as a bit of a liaison between between manager and and president, and is there. Is there to make sure that everybody's on this in the same boat, everybody's on the same line, but also has a football know-how and understanding that that Olas clearly relies upon. That's super interesting. So when when does he join? So he's not there from the start, Lacombe, as part of this. So no, he he's he's the sporting director from 1988 onwards. And ah, okay, so from the very start. Yeah. He, yeah, and he leaves yeah. the club in 2019. So this is a man who's. Yeah. Really, really, Olas is sporting, sporting right hand man throughout his time, yeah. And someone, and somebody who was also very, you know, very well respected. He was, he's, he, he was the yin to Olas's yang. You know, uh-huh. when, when when Lacombe said something, people would listen because his he he would really reserve his opinion on very rarefied occasions well whilst Olas, as we'll talk about a bit later was some and as you've mentioned was straight from the start somebody who's very vocal very defensive but with his but not in a in in a in a knuckle-headed way he was very defensive he was very proud of his club very proud of what it meant and was always going to try and put it in the best light but bernard lacombe was the caution sportive he was the he was the man there who could help them take the next direction from a from a football level, and also somebody who had a real, which again, real legitimacy, which again shows the smarts from uh, Olas, is somebody who he brought in straight away. Lacombe had ended his career only a few years earlier, had played 10 years, you know, in the 70s for Lyon, somebody who, for a lot of fans, not that there were necessarily many at the time, but whose name evoked something and, and a and uh, sense that the OL identity was going to stay there. Yeah, it's something you see with so many clubs now that you want. There's always that tension though between wanting maybe ancient pros, ancient legends mm. of the club. Right, like thinking of Bayern Munich at the moment with Oliver yeah. Kahn, people like that. And and it seems to me that that kind of loyalty or desire for a real French connect is ultimately what led to the tensions with Texter, no, who wanted maybe a more kind of international approach and where Zoras kind of wanted, you know, Bruno Chirou to be heavily involved as the kind of sporting director. And I just wonder whether that kind of real loyalty to, to, to made in Lyon, made in France is ultimately what might have cost him his job. The other, the other thing that what you're saying makes me reflect on is I was thinking straight away of the Brian Clough, Peter Taylor relationship. <laughs> yeah. Now, the way you describe it, it makes it sound quite similar, right? They're kind of one slightly bombastic. I mean, that's an exaggeration for Olas, but, but outspoken front man. And then the quiet thinker behind the scenes that is mm. planning all these clever, clever 
transfers. I mean, anything else about Lyon in the 90s that, for some reason, when I think of Lyon in the 90s, I always think of, is it Alain Cavaglia? Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah, good player, good player. Ludovic Julie, as a young player, Florian Maurice. So they also started bringing some some young players. And and in the the late 90s, I think 99, Olas opened up um, part of the ownership to Pate, which is a famous French uh, cinema cinema group, and they they invested a decent amount of money to get twenty five percent of the club. So towards the end of the nineties, Lyon is clearly this ambitious club that has had no prolonged success, mm-hmm. has no real real titles to its name. Um, you know, hasn't really won any, hasn't won anything since you know the. I don't know the the seventies, right? But they're the club on the up. So, ninety eight, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, until two thousand one, they're always on the podium. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the arrival of the Pate money, is maybe the most influential transfer of the Olas era. The thing that kickstarts things is the arrival of Sonny Anderson from Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So in the you know, in the late in the late nineties, Sonny Anderson was this lethal Brazilian striker at Monaco on De Gentillana when they won yeah. the title. Gets transferred to Barcelona. We all know what Barcelona were like in the late nineties. Not the best place. Yeah, but they didn't really have a place for it, right? They had a bit bit chaotic. Ronaldo had been, you know, Ronaldo had gone. Tough tough shoes to fill. He ha- he has a semi successful time there, but he's looking for a move. He goes back to Lyon, and that is not only a, a real financial statement, but as that is a real statement of intent of right now. We're not just looking at France for our players; we're looking at buying proven, proven talent. And and Sonny Anderson turns up, you know, tears Division A, as it's called at the time, apart. And and Lyon, uh, by the time Jacques Santini becomes takes over from Bernard Lacombe as the manager in the early two thousands. Lyon is is that sort of maybe nouveau riche club, you know, but that club that is on the up on the up and that, that's been on the up for a couple of years. It's about reaching that next level, and the only next level is finally winning a title. Yeah, and that and that title will sort of kickstart the period of intense domination that we talk about. So I think it's is it seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven league yeah. titles in a row. And what's interesting is these are the only seven league titles in Lyon's history. Right, which yeah. is quite an interesting little unusual quirk about their kind of their their history. It's quite rare to have a such a prolonged sequence. I don't know. Is it the record in French football history? Consecutive, I think it might be. Although we need because yeah. even the PSG titles have, have seen you know Montpellier, Lille, uh, was it Monaco won the title? I should know this, um, yeah. but other, other clubs have won it for. And also, just for Lyon, their first title comes in a cutthroat game. Last game of the season, they've been playing catch-up all year to Lens, who are now back in the in the in the news for good reasons again in French football. But the, and so they play each other at Gerland on the last game of the season, and there was a bit of a sense of is Lyon going to choke this? There's mm-hmm. no. Ex- we had there was no track record of Lyon being successful, and and they didn't. They won two 0 on the night, won their first title, and after that it just felt like you know they had they had broken that glass ceiling. They had finally won that title, and actually yeah. once you took a step back, you realized this is the most forward-looking, progressive club in France, and there's no reason why it can't usher in a per- period of success, of sustained success, and it did it did exactly that. Yeah, in some ways, it, yeah. I so I hadn't thought about it in that way. You know, that they, they, yeah, to go from a position where people worry about whether you'll be able to get over the line to then just immediately going into this period of intense domination is quite, mm. quite a feat in a way. And that that what I like about that Sonny Anderson transfer is that it it will symbolise the country. You know, Brazilian football I think is very much attached with this Lyon of period mm. of success. No? And I think if we were to pick, you know, a best 11 from the Olas era, 
I mean, you would have quite a lot of Brazilians in there, wouldn't you? So Sonny Anderson, you've mentioned one. Uh, Juninho and his amazing free kicks mm. would be in there. Probably Chris. One of Chris or Casapa, the, the amazing centre-halves. Maybe both. So there's a real kind of samba flavour, I think, to this mm. period of, 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 of domination of, of, of your... And what, I mean, what do you think is the Ola's method here that leads to such success? Is it sort of clever scouting both of kind of international markets like Brazil, but also a sense of get every year just adding the best players in Ligue 1 to your squad, right? We think of Michael Essien that joins from... Mm-hmm. From Bastia after a couple of really strong seasons, there there's always Eric the Carrière. sense Eric Carrière, mm-hmm. right? You've taken from 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 Nantes, who would have been one of their kind of big challenges. There's always the feeling that they're just adding every year. They'll add one of mm-hmm. the best players in the in, in Liga, and sometimes that player won't necessarily be mm-hmm. a key player for the new season, right? But it just adds to this kind of really strong. Uh, coherent squad building that they're doing at that time. Yeah, I mean, I think in all honesty, I think it's a continuation of the strategy they had deployed, just just with more financial power. So you know, in, in the years before the title, they they bring the likes of um, Tony Verrell at the club, uh, Vicage Dorasso, you know, players players who had a big reputation in France. Uh, you could argue Alain Caviglia as well, who'd who'd moved a bit. They they continue to do that, but you know, bringing bringing Eric Carrière was a big statement of intent as well. Um, but they 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 had a few things. One which was their youth team was starting to consistently produce good players, not necessarily outstanding ones like we saw later on, but good solid players for for Ligue 1, the likes of Jeremy Brechet, who was who was very good, Jeremy Berthaud, François Claire. And that's, that was interesting. Yeah, that that was after you know that was after Ludovic Julien and Florian Maurice, yeah. um, and 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 they bought intelligently from Liga. You you've mentioned Essien. Not all of them worked. You know, um, Frédéric Ney, for example, wasn't wasn't a success. He'd been a success at Bastia, and and they had a Brazilian scouting network that they trusted and that worked the majority of the time. And and um, and I think they also, you know, all, all those what all those Brazilian players had in common as well was, you know, clearly a, a, an adapt adaptability and an intelligence. Be, be, and I say that because not you absolutely have to be smart to be able to do this, but very quickly you would hear the likes of Chris, obviously Sonny Anderson before him spoke fluent French, Chris mm-hmm. Juninho, even Fred I think spoke good French. You know, these these were people who were welcomed in the dressing room. I think they had a really um, play liaison officers very early on to welcome them at, right. at the club. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they were very forward-looking. And on top of that, they would, um, you know, try maybe a gamble here or there with a, with certain players. You know, Mahamadou Diara, for example, came from Vitesse. You know, low-risk, high-reward. They, they, uh, they just had a very settled... There was also... A real calm air about the club. There was something yeah. very, very positive. You know, Olas w- was there, but he was also always backing his managers. You know, Paul Le Guen came in after Santini. It happened seamlessly. Again, I think the, influ- the influence of Bernard Lacan behind the scenes was very important. Then moved on to Houllier, you know, and and it was a model that was at the time very sustainable and, and very successful. Mm. And as we talked about earlier, I think what's interesting is, you know, they have these seven league title wins and there's four managers there. You know, so again, yeah. it does show that, you know, I think that they stay for a maximum for three years and a new manager comes in. But, you know, the, the, the squad in some ways kind of runs itself a little bit and you've got Olas in the background. So you've got a real sense of coherence and consistency and stability you know, even though actually the, the manager is changing quite kind of frequently. I suppose, it, again, if we're doing kind of analogies with English football teams, it reminds me a little bit of that period where you had that kind of, that, that Chelsea core, you yes. know, of Terry, Lampard, uh, Makilele, Drogba, and it's sort of, and they had lots of different managers would come and go, but they, the success would maintain itself because mm. the, the stability and the core of the squad is so kind of uh, uh, consistent. 
absolutely you, you had you had intelligent players working towards the same goals and hungry enough and accountable enough to know when they took responsibility mm. and that's the reason why Roberto Di Matteo is now a Champions League winner even though <laughs> 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 you know but 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 you know in a way in a way the the analogy with Chelsea is also the perfect one because at the end of that time when those players aged didn't appreciate the competition didn't like being challenged by new managers coming in trying to shake things up that's when you were always there was a, always a very thin line between being very successful and it declining potentially quite rapidly and i think <laughs> i think with lyon it's exactly as it happened with chelsea lyon after their first two titles and and titles three, four, five, six, they were untouchable in France. They were, you know, we we look now at PSG; it's an inevitability. That was exactly the same feeling for mm -hmm. for Lyon, except it was more made in France. It was more local, local money, local yeah. president. You know, it's not organic, more, exactly more organic. But they were they were so balanced as a club. And as a side, that, that they were just impossible to get past. Um, and then the natural decline of those players aging and those cadres du vestiaire, you know, aging and not accepting father time coming made things mm -hmm. more and more difficult, especially with the arrival of talented, hungry youngsters like the Ben Arthurs, like the Benzemas coming in and, you know, wanting a piece of the pie for themselves. And, and and being demanding as well, rightly so. That's what made them successful. So towards yeah. the end of that domination, it coalesced into a decline that you could see coming and it was becoming more and more of a struggle. But certainly during during those years, they were a model of sustainability at in in Liga and at a European level, they were that that's exactly what I mean. top eight clubs in Europe. Yeah. To, to get to before we get to the the decline and it, and it mm. and it sounds like part of your thinking is that there was a kind of rebuild that was necessary there that just wasn't mm. quite managed well enough but what about is that the great disappointment of this era is is maybe failing to get a champions league or at least to a champion league final given the quality of the team that they had, because I think it could have been a, a possibility. And I think lots of Lyon fans look. Is it is it the is it the two thousand and five Champions yeah. League where they get knocked out by PSV on penalties? Yeah. On penalties, yeah. Gus Hiddings, Gus Hiddings, PSV with Park Ji Sung and a number of players. I think Lee Young Pyo was there as well, and a number of players that I'm. That I'm forgetting, yeah. but you know, obviously a very well organized, exciting side. But over the two legs, Lyon were probably the best team. And Nilmar, who we all remember then from Villarreal and, and playing for Brazil, who was their sort of 20 year old new hot Brazilian striker, uh, was clearly fouled by Gomez in the box. Mm. The penalty wasn't given. And th this, this was a club who in Europe could turn up at any ground and contest. And, yeah. and, you know, they spanked Real Madrid a couple of times, 3-0, I think, certainly at home. I wonder if they didn't do it away as well. Um, they ended up top of, you know, top of Champions League groups with the likes of Man United. You know, they, they, were, they were a real contender. I think the one thing that were lacking, was lacking at the time for Europe, not for France, was that high-level number nine because the rest of that side was, was just balanced and full of quality i mean they're you know they're i think essien had left that for that 2005 year but they still had mohamed udiara juninho and tiago in midfield and that yeah. was with with maludan govu on the wings whoever could play up top and at the back you had abidal as your left back one of reveillere or francois claire who was who, who both both played for france at the time chris and casapa and then France's best keeper of the noughties in Grégory Coupé. Yeah. So in that side, I always think of its kind of physicality, you know, when you think mm. 
big players all across the pit. Maybe that's sort of an era of football where that was maybe quite fashionable, but even just looking at the wingers, right? Guvu, Maludo on both sides, mm. you know, uh, uh, of course, amazing dribblers. I mean, more in Maluda's case, I suppose, than, than Guvu's. But I just mm. think of, I often think of their physical domination of of teams at that time when you've got a fullback like Abidal, right? Big goalkeepers like Coupe. That's always what I mm. think of that when I think of that side. And as you say, I think all, all that was missing was a number nine. And it's not like they didn't try. No. <laughs> the time yeah. is like every year, they were the, the, the rotating cast, but no one really, who who tried? Baroche, Nilmar, you mentioned, Fred. John, John Carew, Fred, Gio, Giovanni Elba from yeah. Bayern. And I think that was the one they felt was maybe going to take them over the top. It just didn't happen that way. I think he was 30 or 31. And it, it, I think he was decent in Nigan, but it wasn't good enough in, in Europe. And maybe he was just one of those strikers who wasn't necessarily meant to play on his own. But, um, but there, there was class all over the pitch for them. And, and as I said, for Liga, they were, you know, just, just too good. E- even with that quote unquote lack of striker or, or a striker that wasn't, again, quote unquote, not good enough. Um, but, but in Europe, they, you know, there were a few sliding doors moment. There was also one where they played AC Milan in the quarters. And I think it would have gone, they would have won on away goals or, um, or it would, they would have taken it at least two extra time. And then they were at San Siro in the second leg. And I, th- it's one of the best goalkeeping performances I've ever seen by Grégory Coupé. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even under that much pressure, but every time he had to pull off a save, he pu- pulled it off. Mm-hmm. And I think they conceded twice in like the 88th and the 93rd or something like that. And that was heartbreaking. And that, and we're talking about, you know, one of the great Milan sides. So yeah. they lock of the draw sometimes, just very, very fine margins, but certainly for the noughties, they were they were the greatest club in France. They they remain for me one of the greatest French clubs of all time, that period. Mm-hmm. And in and in Europe they were they were a top eight European club. Yeah. Let's 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 talk about the decline of of Lyon. And so is it because you know if you're just looking at the sort of data, right, you see uh, Claude Puel arrives in you know, 08, 09, and then they stop. Um, they, they stop, stop winning. winning. <laughs> uh, but it seems that your hypothesis is it's a little bit simplistic to 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 blame Claude Puel and that there was a kind of rebuild and reconstruction mm. that was necessary here of an aging squad that 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 never quite happened or wasn't achieved sort of successfully. Yeah, I mean, look, they, he gets a point. Claude Prel gets appointed after they get rid of Alain Perrin, and we need to talk a little bit about Alain Perrin's sole season at, at Lyon. You know, this was a manager who who'd done well at, at previous stops, had a high reputation in in France. Obviously, people here remember him as Portsmouth Alain okay. Perrin, but um, you know, a good manager comes in straight away, faces a lot of difficulties with the dressing room, and he gets given very early on. The nickname of PPH passera pas l'hiver, which means he won't survive the winter. <laughs> Lo and behold, he's backed. He's backed by Olas for the rest of the season. Obviously, um, the club ends up winning their last title. They don't do it very convincingly, but you can tell it's a club that has just the experience of winning, and it just carries over. Mm-hmm. And those players are still good enough. They get rid of. Perrin, Claude Prel comes in. At that moment in time, Claude Prel is the best manager in France. It's it's a it's a no brainer to bring uh, Claude Prel. He's made. Lille... Where he joins from from Lille or from from Lille. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's just set Lille on their on their course to being champions. Uh, they it didn't happen under him, but uh, Rudy Garcia, benef- you know, obviously put in his own uh, imprint on on the club, a, a very positive one, but benefited from everything that. Uh, Puel had done as well and Puel had built a side and had built a youth team that brought the likes of Yuan Cabay um, and and many others at, at Lyon at Lille so when he joins Lyon it seems like a bit of a match 
made in heaven. Here's a good, strong manager with a track record of developing youngsters and being successful and having a real poigne <clears throat> um, in the dressing room, being able to to stamp his authority on the dressing room. <laughs> what what happened was that that dressing room was i'm not going to say they weren't um i'm not going to say they were disrespectful although you know the pipi ash example doesn't doesn't ring yeah. great i always like i love these little stories of what was the <laughs> one with the leeds man apparently they were calling uh, jesse marsh ted lasso no that was one of yeah yeah and grand potter harry potter but when when prel joins he he rubs those players the wrong way and there's a clash effectively mm -hmm. and, and we're talking about you know 33 34 year old juninho and chris the leaders in the dressing room the likes of benzema are too young and maybe don't have the legitimacy or maybe they're not mm -hmm. being allowed to express themselves as much in the dressing room but there's a real clash there's there are also stories the classic claude prel stories that every club he was at you know, in the 90s and 2000s of him turning up on the first day of, <laughs> of pre-season and just telling his players, right, we're going to go for like a 10K jog and he'd just finish first ahead of everyone else. And, you know, the, the, the sad thing is Olas really backs Prel. You know, they, they, they bring... Right, because normally when you have these types of situations, right, very strong vestiaire that are just legends of the club, mm. often the easy thing to do as a president is okay. Well, let's just let's just you know drop this manager. Basically, mm. that's that's sort of the Chelsea solution. But yeah, but he stays for three years, doesn't he? he? Does almost three stays for three years, and he backs him in the transfers. You know, he they they overspend on Kader Keita from from Lille. They bring Mathieu Bodmer as well. Um, I think Jean de Macoun had maybe joined the club before, but he had been at Lille. <clears throat> so he's he he really backs him. But I I think you can even at the time you could tell that there were in the, there were different factions in the dressing room, and and what had worked so far with the seamless integration of everyone now was backfiring. You had the Brazilian clan of of aging Brazilian players who'd been there for a while and had had brought unparalleled success to the club. You had the youngsters who were hungry, but you know, feeling maybe that they were being left on the wayside a little bit. Um, and and you had the the Lille imports and and the and the you know people tagged as Prel favorites joining the club, mm. and that just all made that was on a happy on a happy match for for Olas. It, it it's a it's a really uh, I'm really saddened for Olas at the time because the strategy. Again, if you put all those elements on paper when when he appointed Prel and he backed him, that all made sense. All this, these were not wrong decisions. It just didn't fit, and this is down to individualities and 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 players and and people are not listening to each other and being at different stages of their career. But it it meant that Lyon was still, you know, were still competing. Obviously, this was before this was before QSI at Paris as well. But when you looked at them compared to the winners at that time, like Bordeaux and Marseille, you know Bordeaux was this re had this real style of playing under Laurent Blanc. They were, you know, they had a they had a real core. Funny enough, with some Brazilians as well and South Americans. They had Gourcuff, they had Aloudiara. They had a real spine to their side. Simi similarly, at uh, Marseille, you know Deschamps. Had built a strong group full of personality, the Suleiman Diawara, Lucho Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Gignac might have been there. Or if not, then you know Mamadou Nyang, you know, all those types of players. Um, they they looked more forward looking and progressive than than Lyon after a while. And that was you know, it was a sad it was a sad thing to see. They were still competitive, but I think also at that time is when the idea of building the stadium came about for Olas. So that became his big target, his big objective. Did he take his eye off the ball a little bit? You know, in terms of, was he too trusting? Had he given too many powers to Puel? Was Lacan maybe meant to be doing more? But it, it felt a bit more chaotic than than, um, yeah. than it usually was. At New York. And I think the stadium 
it really matters here also. And I think when we were researching this, the analogy I was think, sort of thinking of was the, the Arsenal one, right, in, in the Premier League, where they decide to, to pivot, to say for about a decade, we're going to be funding the stadium. And we're going to pivot our model towards uh, essentially promoting players from the youth team, making, making sure our youth team is really uh, elite and that we're producing great players that we can then sell on to Europe's uh, elite clubs. But of course, that's, there's always the trade-off there. It's then difficult to, to maybe win titles with a team of, of, um, of, of younger players. Of youngsters. Kind of the, this is really when you probably get the most talented players coming out of Lyon's academy and they don't quite have enough to push them over the edge in terms of title wins but this is the Benzema's the Lacazette's the Tolisso's all these players that will be sold for huge sums to some of Europe's um, very best Umtiti um, Umtiti right will be sold to yeah. some of kind of very best um, clubs so I think there's that also right in the kind of the, de the decline of Lyon is also a sort of I, th I, I think the, the, the stadium decision has to be sort of taken into account here also, even though it starts a little bit later, right, in terms of, when is it, 2012 or so? that Yeah, that they start building, they start, I think, yeah. But it was, it was something that they, were, <clears throat> that they were raising before as this is the next step into really, truly making us a great European yeah. club. And, and a little bit like, a li bit like Arsenal, like you said, they went into it with that thinking of we will always at least be in the Champions League places, just like Arsenal. <clears throat> you know, we, we just have this yeah. sustainable yeah. success. We are who we are in this league. We're never going to drop below. We're never going to struggle. And the reality is, is, is they, you know, they, they did because they had more limited investment. They still were hovering around, you know, the, the podium, third, fourth, sometimes second. But it was a lot, it was a lot to ask of those players. And, and again, in in that way, you know, Olas made a pact with the fans as well. When you when you decide that, which is there's going to be limited investment, and and people fans looked at the youngsters and said, "Great, you know those guys those guys are amazing, mm -hmm. generating great generation." But this became <clears throat> this became Lyon being more inward looking as well. The the Puel experiment didn't work. We went back to youngsters and Remy Gard, who know. Who no one was coveting as a manager at the time hasn't done anything since. Then we moved on to a little bit externally with Fournier, but moved on to Genesio, who is also a product and, and the same thing, right? And now he's doing okay at Rennes, although I think he's very yeah. underwhelming. One of he's one of the best big names in the game, no? Pep Pep, Pep Genesio. Was that and, a self comparison, uh, sir? <laughs> and so you know it it feels like Lyon didn't evolve. It stopped being progressive. It became very inward looking. Um, it became very satisfied with itself. I think it, it also suffered from the trauma that we've seen from the likes of Arsenal and Man United of refusing to accept that there is a decline and that there is a slide and that you need to change something about it. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, and the stadium was, a was a mirage for that. You know, it was like, once we get the stadium, you know, we'll find we'll we'll have this great youth team, and we'll invest in and spend a lot yeah. of money. They didn't. They didn't spend a lot of, a lot of money after that. And yeah. and it's not it's not was it white well it's not that, but it's not it's not going to be filled at sixty thousand. Yeah. Um. And and so that's. You know, it it was a huge achievement to get that stadium built, um, but it it came, pr predictably at the cost of sporting success certainly at this at the same level but who was gonna who's gonna keep it sustainable to be in the top two forever that just doesn't happen in sport and um yeah and they didn't plan for that and i think one of the sort of you know so the 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 academy has undoubtedly produced amazing players right ballon d'or yeah. winners as well with yeah. benzema but there's never been a kind of class of 92 out of Lyon, right? There's never oh. been a generation that's gone on to, to win, you know, a title with a core of players from the youth team, like say not did, right, in the mm -hmm. early 2000s. And, you know, when we think of that great period of Lyon success, it's that, you know, it's more, 
it's players on the academy would sort of, you know, would be on the outskirts of the squad, helping the squad, but they wouldn't, you know, it wasn't mm. a core of yes. youth team players, right? And so that's always kind of the, the slight shame for me is that the they've produced great individual players, but you've never really had a great Lyon team that is really born and bred in the Lyon uh, academies, even though great individual players have come out of it. I mean, they did have a period. I mean, I remember seeing that that they had a game once. I think it was maybe under Fournier or Genizio. And and there, there was a year where they were really pushing. I think they finished third, but they were really pushing. I think that might have been 2017, 18, or maybe, or maybe before. Um, and, and they lined up in the game with, out of their starting 11, eight players who'd come through the ranks. Yeah. And and they were competitive, certainly for the Champions League places. And we're talking about Anthony Lopez in goal, who's still there. Tolisso, Lacazette, Fekir. You know, probably a centre-back that I'm missing. It might have been Umtiti at the time. You know, yeah. and and, uh, and, they were, and they were close. They were close. But, but to your point, the, you also need a veteran presence and you need a veteran presence from people who are not necessarily from there and who, who have mm -hmm. the ability to say, you know what works well and what doesn't. A, B, and C. I know because I've been at other clubs, and it's it's fine to have. It's great to want to have that sort of Lyon DNA at the club. I think that should be really applauded, whether it's driven by financial tightening or whether it's driven by a real strategic decision. That should be applauded, and people identify to their club even more. But they they didn't build; they just relied on a player trading model. And and when the stadium finally came about. They had lost those players. The stadium wasn't getting filled. They weren't competitive mm. in Europe anymore. So they were struggling to attract. And they lost that, you know, that Lyon thing that they had of, they lost that Brazilian uh, scouting network, clearly. You know, they were having to look elsewhere and they hadn't invested there. You know, even until recently, they were saying that the the recruitment the scouting team led by Bruno Cherou has a very limited numbers of people and they don't really rely on data you know it all feels very archaic and archaic yeah. and old-fashioned um, surprise yeah some of those quotes coming from Cherou seemed a bit odd it was almost that it's almost that they preferred it that way right that they mm. they were trying to justify it as kind of too many cooks spoil the the broth or whatever but it just came up yeah came up, as you say is really self-satisfied and just you know the idea that you can scout the whole of the european continent with a handful mm. of a handful of people seems and, and with it with that burden of the stadium and of hiring the likes of guard even fournier who was external but was relatively inexperienced had come off some good seasons jean is your that meant that Olas had to be at the forefront. He had to be in the trenches to defend the strategy, mm -hmm. defend his managers constantly. And with that and with time, and with him getting older, you know, maybe getting angrier, but also maybe not surrounding himself with the right people, surrounding himself more with yes men than, than people who have general, genuine value, added value, there was a shift as well, in the, the, especially over the last few years. The fans grew tired of, of this, you know, the sunny uplands are coming, the sunny uplands are coming, but mm -hmm. where's the investment? Where's the, where's the modernity? Where, where's the entrepreneurial mindset that you had? It's not good enough to talk, for, for those fans, just wasn't good enough to talk about, look at how good our financial results are, look how good our player trading are, is it's the real complete disconnect to what had made OL, OL, on the Olas before, which was ambition, takes take things by the neck, look, you know, be creative, and that that had just disappeared. Yeah. What do you what do you think of the kind of legacy of the Olas here? I mean, we've talked about one is that, you know, they have their own stadium, right? Which is not yeah, that's huge. the only club in France. The only club in France to own their own stadium. It's a, it's it's an it's a really impressive uh, a place to to watch football and admittedly the atmosphere hasn't been great recently because of because fans are dissatisfied with the team's performance but I think we've seen with the Emirates you know for so long it was considered a kind of dead place to mm. to watch football 
But then this season, right, once they've had a team that they can believe in, it's created some really amazing atmosphere. So I think it, you know, it is something that I think we could see in Lyon if they get a team that sort of becomes worthwhile of the of the teams, uh, sorry, of the fans' kind of affections. I mean, we've also seen this attempt to bring back a bit of that Lyon DNA with with old players coming back, right? Lacazette, who's had a brilliant season. Jordi mm. who's been injured a little bit more. But um, be, beyond the stadium, what do you sort of see as Oles's legacy for this team? Should we, should we talk about... The, I mean, the women's team is definitely worth talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's building a club from a simple in a way from a simple local football club mm. to Mesquion club you know it's it's the you know it's it's the grupo l uh with the criticism that comes with it but it's the grupo l it's it's the women's football team that is the most invested in you know and and led and has led the way it's it has won the most titles and 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 was at the avant-garde of of everything for for women's football um so he was a real trailblazer for that. And he invested in that in 2004, which sounds yeah. very recent, but in 2004, there was no, you know, there wasn't the women's football that we're delighted to see now in terms of visibility. Um, and so it's, it's building now, building the, the, the links with the, with Asvel, which is the very successful, uh, local, uh, basketball team. So it's trying to create that, that and and mm-hmm. also I think trying just trying to shine a light on it with that groupuelo on this is Lyon this is this is the group for the city um, yeah and we're punching above our weight and we're making ourselves heard so I I think you know th- that's that's his legacy it's the stadium it's trying to build a sustainable model it, it's it's trying to contribute to Lyon it's it's having an undeniably positive impact on women's football that was long overdue. And and he, you know, and he's certainly over the last five or six years, even yeah. more so. He's clearly treated them as a as big a source of pride as the men's team, um, and he's invested in them. And and you know, it's it's having the undeniable influence as well at the French Federation level. He's he's on the executive committee of the French Federation. You know, yeah. he's a man with real influence, and. Uh, and that's yeah. I think I think I think that's his legacy is having built a club from scratch from nowhere that is now they were troubles in so many ways. They remain so in the sense that the women's team and owning their stadium and uh, and just being a very visible advocate for his for his club and his city. And I think you can forget right when things don't end in in, in necessarily the best of ways you can forget all the success that has been achieved and i think particularly his work with the women game has, was so forward looking and so ahead of its time and i've mm-hmm. got a great quote here from ada hegerberg who was the yeah ballon d'or wasn't she at all point yeah 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 exactly yeah. ballon d'or winner a norwegian striker and to be fair she you know she's a player who's also been very outspoken on these issues and i think left the norwegian squad partly because leon you know, gave her a sense of what these things should look like, right? There should be no difference in the way that the male and female teams of the same club or the same nation should be treated, right, in terms of training facilities, infrastructure, right? You know, she talked about Olas as, as basically the game changer, right? Not a game changer, mm. the game changer, not just for Lyon, but for women's football in, in, in general. And so that's something that I think he will definitely be mm. uh, remembered for and, what, I, yeah sorry and ahead. you know and i think just his legacy is we we mentioned it at the start of the, of the episode but his legacy is the greatest club president in french football history i think that's undoubted and and he you know people can talk about tapi at marseille sure but you know <laughs> undeniably un, 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 and the match but, un, un, undeniably but match fixing corruption and uh, ended up in the second tier yeah. Um, you know, you can talk about Deniso at PSG, but it wasn't as sustained. It was as for as long a time. One that springs to mind is obviously Louis Nicolas, who did uh, un- unbelievable to, work at Montpellier, and and that's maybe the, an episode on Nicolas. Yeah, that's maybe the only one that's comparable. I would say, 
but but in terms of sustained success at the highest level and how he's left his club now, I think Olas is is at the top. I think that's a lovely way to to leave it. That <laughs> yeah. little homage to Jean-Michel Olas, and I think it's obviously a difficult time for Lyon at the moment, but mm. it's important to remember the good times. And there is a definitely, I think, a, there is a solid base there. For a team that I think can eventually compete again uh, on on the French stage, the the assets are all there. It will be intri- intriguing to see where Textor takes them, and there's a real sense in the press in France that it's it's time to say goodbye to Bruno Cherou and Vincent Ponceau, the much maligned uh, sort of administrative director who took on way too much uh, sporting responsibilities, and most likely Laurent Blanc as well. It's time to say goodbye. To him, he's done okay, but we he just does. Said hello. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but you know, Lolo White, as he's known, doesn't. If if they if they he doesn't feel like the person who's going to drive the renaissance of mm-hmm. of Lyon, and, and but they have all the assets to get there, truly, and um, and and I'm I you know I'm not a, a Lyon fan, but I've always enjoyed the fact that. They have dedicated their club as well to bringing young players and to trying to have an actual identity to their club. And uh, I can only wish those types of clubs success. Beppo, it's been a pleasure. Always good. And we hope that you've enjoyed listening to this retrospective of the uh, Jean-Michel Olas era at Lyon, which is coming to an end. But uh, this has been Le Classique, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh-huh.